This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to the Yankee One Podcast, your audio hub for everything Milton Keynes-Johns. Well, Joe, obviously two games into the Mike Williamson and Kedon's era, uh, one away, one at home. How are you feeling? I'm positively bouncing, Liam. I'm, uh, oh, wow. I've, I've got my vigour back. <laughs> I've come, I'm ready to go. Uh, yeah, the, um, the the temperatures may have dropped, but I think we're, the dons are hotting up, it's fair to say. Yes, I think I think so. Obviously, the podcast title kind of suggests with with two plus at the back, um, Dean and attack is a is a nice little summary of the episode is going to be like. Um, obviously, a lot of focus on the Bradford episode, but we'll touch on Accrington because I think it's quite important to address both games, but also to the changes between the Acton and the Bradford performances. And whilst it would be minimal time that the coach team did have with the squad sort of changes that we did see, um, obviously get some of your comments about who what players impressed and. Of course, reflect our conversation with Heath from HG Football to see obviously what he described and what we saw on the pitch. So I suppose we'll start there, Joe. So obviously that conversation that we had with Heath, obviously it got us quite excited to let's say the least. And obviously you got to see it against Atkinson and Bradford on both games. What did you see from those two games that Heath explained really well that really excited you about the system? Um, yeah, I, I I was really excited by um just how, to be honest, a lot of the players did look quite comfortable on the ball. Um, we had a couple of incidents, of course, where, and you're always going to have it, where the, you know, the ball is given away or the goalkeeper maybe has to clear, clear it long. But I think, you know, Bar, you know, Warren, Warren, he fell over, didn't he, and got tackled. But even yeah. then, the, the Bradford player still had, you know, he was still 40 yards out and, you know, someone could have closed him down and he hit a terrific strike from 25 yards, it has to be said. Um, but in terms of the system itself, I think we saw the wing backs high and wide. Um, they weren't necessarily attacking, um, you know. And then one thing that I think we were quick to see was Norman and Tomlinson. You know, they were coming inside a lot of the time, uh, which was nice to see. And then also, you know, he talks about the number eights. Well, it wasn't necessarily that we were playing. You know, I think everyone expected. I think the headline news was when everyone saw Payne in the lineup, they thought, "Ah, great!" You know, number ten. Well, Payne was basically playing the role that we saw Josh McEachran play under Russell Martin. And he was orchestrating the ball. He was a little terrier in the midfield. And look, let's not get it real, you know, let's not beat around the bush. He wasn't 
like uh, an N'Golo Kante and winning absolutely everything. Yeah. But what he was doing was he was just distributing the ball, getting it forward. And a lot of the time, it, maybe he was being a bit too risky and we it wasn't quite coming off, especially in the game against Accrington. Maybe he was we were, weren't as patient as we could have been. But I think that overall, considering it was the first game, he acquitted himself really well in that new role. And then we actually saw Alex Gilby further forward in both games as a 10. Um, in the in the Atkinson game, we saw Max Dean as the other 10. And um, against Bradford, we saw Conor Grant starting as the other 10. And I think that shows as well that, you know, he's looking for ball players in those areas. But also with Max Dean, he's not opposed to having sort of a winger type or, a, you know, a bit of power there. And I think, you know, one thing we did see actually in the Accrington game is maybe we didn't have enough control in that midfield area because Max yeah. Dean was actually at that number 10 role. And I think when he moved to the central forward role and we had four central midfielders, essentially. Um, so in the in the Bradford game, we had Payne and Robson sitting and Gilby and Grant ahead of them. So, you know, that's four central midfielders, four that are, you'd say are com- more comfortable on the ball than perhaps Max Dean is. Max Dean, has, of course, has his other qualities, which I'm sure we'll come on to. Um, but yeah, I think we saw just a real element of control against Bradford, which I'm sure we'll get into a bit, bit, bit in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's let's talk about Accrington because obviously it was obviously a one-off defeat, unfortunately, for Mike Williamson's debut game as Don's manager. Um, bear in mind, you only had two coach sessions with the actual squad in the first place. Um, obviously, the Wednesday and then really left the Thursday because Friday is all about shape. So it's kind of hard to do anything in terms of training with the players in that point. So two training sessions with the squad. And I don't think they played terribly, in all honesty. I know, I think obviously losing the game isn't ideal, but, you know, if you look at, if you look at the first half in particular, you know, Mo had quite a few chances and he also got away of one chance from Tomlinson. Um, and they've had chances to score. I think there was a bit more confidence, maybe in clinicality in that team than, you know, I think we easily go into the lead before Sean Wally um, well, wraps off a mistake from the back line. And again, Joe mentioned about the midfield, sort of, I call it passiveness personally. Um, and the fact that they just let some back players waltz through and let Wally finish into top corner. Um, and whilst there were chances in the second half, it did feel for me like Accrington, once that goal went in, kind of had a bit more control of the game in some senses. Whilst Ons had the ball overall, I think Accrington really had the control of it and really made the game their own in particular. Um, but Joe, obviously you being there on the ground, obviously it was a pretty, a pretty, I was going to say unlucky mistake, but it wasn't exactly a mistake that you'd, actually it kind of reflected the Bradford goals sometimes as being tackled from behind and then the player finishing it. But overall I didn't, I wasn't particularly panicked by that performance. Many people were, but again, I said two training sessions, it's kind of hard to take a lot away from that game really. Yeah. And I think as well, I think it, it's more the fact of, just you know, we do we did need a win, and yeah, I think if actually if say for instance you know there's a couple of wins in between, or you know maybe you know if say we're sitting higher up in the table, maybe that game you just look at it as oh we played okay, and look, let's be fair to Sean Wally, we gave him a bit of stick um, in the away <laughs> end. Um, he always scores against us, and that was it was a hell of a finish to be fair. Like no, you know I. Matt Gallivere couldn't really have done too much about it. It was pretty much top corner from like the edge of the box sort of area. And and also, you know, you look at the sort of, if you want the stats and pretty much Accrington's best player was their centre-back as well. You know, we asked questions, um, we found spaces. 
And the only really time that Accrington had opportunities was in the transition when we gave the ball away or we yep. were tackled. And also you'd say that this was a pretty cobbled together back line. Well, I say cobbled together. I mean, Smith was starting and I don't think going forward, Smith will be one of the main starters. But um, again, I thought Tomlinson was probably our best player um, in terms of creativity. And I think Harvey backs him up so well. And to be honest, I think Harvey's probably been our player of the month this this month. For me personally, anyway, I think since stepping into that left centre-back role, he's been absolutely fantastic. And I think that this style of play is only going to suit him more. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's one of them where you kind of say, look, you can see what he's trying to do. It's not really come off now. And I think we always said that Accrington away was going to be a, a baptism of fire. And um, yeah, there was fire. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I think it was it was just one of them where, you know, they were pretty resolute and they defended well. I mean, I think they had a, their, their centre-back, he, he ended up with... Um, uh, like he won a couple of ground duels, he he committed a couple of fouls, but he he made fifteen defensive actions, ten interceptions. Um, this is Brad Hills, nineteen year old, and so I think that just shows you know he was getting involved. And Rich Bagalu, again, he had nine defensive actions, two interceptions. He won seven of his ten duels. So I think that you know their centre back partnership was just quite good on the day, and. You know, it, okay, we had a couple of chances we could have made a bit more of, but overall, I just left that game being a bit more positive about, you. okay, right, we can see what we're trying to do. Didn't quite come off, let's be real, but there's there's things to take into the next game. Yeah, I think one of the worst things you can do with an action team is give them the lead, especially the first half, because... They oh, go into dressing room. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it goes to dressing room. You know, John Coleman can give them like the war, the war cry, and they can just go in the second half and get you their three points. So, yeah, it's not ideal. But as I said, I don't think it was the most ideal uh, game for Mike Williamson to go into. Um, but again, I think I said I said I think we saw signs from the team that we could. There was there was goals in the team, and there was what we saw on Tuesday night would happen eventually. And um, did it happen? My God, um, Bradford obviously it's NK. Um, a team that it's fair to say we're playing them at the right time, I think is it's a fair way of putting it. I know people were sort of saying, you know, whilst the Brad fans sort of saying, well, yeah, like, cool, you played really well, but at the end of the day, like, we've got a caretaker manager who's playing on the pitch and we're not exactly the best position in the world, but I sort of say, can you play what's in front of you? And um, Don's definitely took full advantage of that performance. Obviously, a 4-1 four, four, win. Um, so cracking goals in this game, really. Um, obviously, I know for the first goal, a bit of a keeper mistake, but some great intuition on the set piece from Payne and Tomlinson, who put it uh, into the back and let's make it one nil. Obviously, then the but do you not goal... think? Go on. Sorry, just just on that, you say you know maybe the keeper could have done better, but I think yeah. the fact that we take it take it quick, and the fact that we're obviously taking the shot through the bodies, etc. You know. It's, I think it's it's almost on purpose in the fact that, well, it's not going to give the keeper a good chance or a good chance to get a look at it, really. So no, I, uh, I, I remember you know, all, that... all the catch, but yeah. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Yeah. The catch that led to the set piece. But yeah, I mean, as you imagine, yeah, yeah the, all the bodies in the box, yeah, it'd be quite hard to see it. Um, but yeah, they, they, the actual, if, if you want the, the third assist uh, to the corner um, was, yeah, was pretty poor from the keeper. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I want to chat about Warner Hora. Because obviously, listen, he's been a part of the Don set for quite a few years now, and I think I think I do I do think he'll be part of the team moving forward. But it's safe to say he's had a f- had a few mistakes in the past couple of games. Obviously, the acting game, he 
Well, it wasn't he wasn't the main culprit. He was a part of the Sean Molly goal, and obviously the mate he, he gave the ball away. I got tackled for the goal uh, that Gilead scored. What do you think it is? It was Joe. Do you think it's uh is it just a, a little blip for him? Is it is it something else? What do you reckon? I mean, look, I think it's I think he'd be the first to admit he's not had the season that he would have wanted. Um, I mean, let's face it, he was probably one of the players that we thought, well, you know, we, we were kind of worried about losing in the summer. But, if you know, in the nicest way possible, based on performances that we've seen, I'm not too worried about anyone in leagues above really going for him. If I, and I don't mean that to be harsh, but we've not seen the best of Warren O'Hara this season. Yeah. And I think it's, I think now we're going to start to see him improve because I think that, you know, we know what he can do. So I think now being in a, a team and a system that probably suits him a bit more, I think we're going to just see that bit of confidence. And I think it was just a little bit of an awareness against Bradford. And to be fair, the guy tackled him well. It wasn't a foul. And and then, and as I said as well, you know, you think 40 yards out, oh, it's, you know, they've, they've got a bit of a transition. And we, we did have defenders, other defenders around there. So it wasn't as if it was, you know, all him and it wasn't as if he was the last man. There are were other people that could have done better on that goal. So I, I don't think it's fair to completely single him out. But one thing I yeah. would say is I think it's plain to see as well, you know, the fans carried on chanting as soon as that goal was scored. Absolutely. And I think it's just because we can actually see that where where we're going sort of thing. Um, a few weeks ago, you wouldn't have given us a chance if we'd conceded, if that sort of thing had happened. You can imagine the sort of you know, most people would probably, if it was a Saturday, would have gone to the bar and, you know, that would have been that 10 minutes in or however long it was. But I think it was plain to see that people bought into what was going on on the pitch and they could see, you know, they could see what we were going at and they could see the energy and they could see the the ideas. So, yeah, I think with that, I think hopefully, you know, I know Hora, he had a pretty steady game from then onwards and, I mean, what this, this is more a point about the game as a whole, but I think for any team to restrict Bradford City to one shot inside your box until the 97th minute, you can say what you want about us going forward, but that is mightily impressive. And especially considering they were losing for the majority of that time. So they were going forward, um, you know, to actually still make sure that we're not exposing ourselves at the back. I think that's something he yeah. highlighted, wasn't it? And... And, um, you know, it was really, I was really, really impressed by that aspect of our game more than, more than, you know, the attacking, yeah, it was brilliant. But I think defensively, that's really underrated. And I think Tucker coming in was no coincidence in that fact, because there was a couple of penalty box defending net moments where, you know, you think, oh, no, like we haven't cleared it. And then Tucker just comes out of nowhere with the ball at his feet. You're like, okay, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> nice one, mate. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're completely right, you know, like, sort of newfound confidence and I mentioned it about the energy like was was like really good to watch he put it uh, he, he described it as relentless and I think yeah it's it's kind of a new I say it's, it's like baptism of fire you kind of put it yourself it's like a newborn sort of time for these players where he shows himself off and really shows off to his new management and almost like a fresh start in many ways and as, as, I, as I put it also you know all the fitness stuff that Alexander worked on in, in the summer which you all know about and how the players are always like ran down to like the absolute last wits and then absolutely knackered all the time maybe it, maybe it's gonna pay off because if they're gonna keep that energy up say two games a week the rest of the season you know we're gonna win more games than than not to be honest with you and, and more than likely get six points every week you like to think so maybe i think it happens for a reason eh? and it works out quite nicely um but 
I mean, they, we talked about this game for so, so long. Um, obviously, there's some incredible goals. Obviously, the pain-free kick. I mean, yeah, actually ridiculous game. But we asked for your guys' this sort of standout players in that performance and who you think players that will really um, come together for this Mike Williamson team. And I think we've spoken about Jack Payne a fair bit. Obviously, you know, Ken mentioned about Payne as well. Um, there's so many comments about Jack Payne. But I think we'll get onto the headline guy of the podcast, Max Dean, Joe. Um, the guys at the MK Fellas were raving about Dean before the game and they came about quite nicely in, in his performance. Uh, JTF mentioned about Dean as well as Tomlinson, which we'll get on to later. Um, obviously, Jonathan Harry says Karate Kid Dean. Um, Paul Lucas mentioned about Max Dean, uh, refused to be bullied, a put on a short performance, maybe minus a little kick out. Um, but, I mean, we all knew that the player was there, uh, Joe, in terms of Max. And, you know, the he's finally been playing up front in a position that he wants to play in and he seems to be scoring goals. Well, I mean, do you, do you remember Max Dean's first involvement as an MK Dons player? Uh, I I think I do. It was a way to Forest Green and it looked like Brandon Cooper wanted to punch him after about five minutes <laughs> of him being on the pitch. Um, yeah, we, we know he's got character and I think we're now starting to actually see the high press, the energy actually almost it's not just sort of liveliness it's actually resulting in you know real sort of tangible results and it's quite funny because um Mike Williamson said this after the game he said we actually scored the harder chances and missed the easy ones yeah <laughs> we actually you know because yeah, Max Dean he, uh, to be fair though one of the best saves I've seen this season from um, Harry Lewis Point mm. blank range, and he saves it onto the bar. Absolutely fantastic. Max Dean couldn't have done much more in that situation. Um, but what a goal! Like you rarely see strikers attack the near post like that, and it was just an, so refreshing. I mean, that was a karate kick in itself, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, of, yeah. the, of, of the of the better kind. Um, but I think <laughs> um, as well, he's just him and and I think this as well ties into. Um, you know, Gilby potentially a, a, a surprise to have Gilby at the 10 and paying more holding. Well, actually, them two pressing, they caused Bradford issues from minute one. So a lot of the time, Bradford were having to go long when traditionally, I think, you know, under Mark Hughes, Bradford were, you know, trying to play out a little bit. And what we actually saw was Gilby and Lewis, uh, Gilby and, and Dean were pressing Lewis so high but actually, there was times where they were just inches away from nicking it off him and or even putting him under pressure and forcing a, a rush clearance. So that was mightily impressive. And that was led by Max Dean. And I think, as I mentioned at Accrington, he maybe, you know, he doesn't possess the, you know, he's not, not necessarily a false nine where he can drop in um, like he can um, with with the, um, like he did at Accrington game. But yeah, no, definitely, definitely impressive. And yeah, I think obviously with the whole Gilby and Payne situation, obviously that this set up, I think you know, Heath mentioned about Joe Tomlinson and how he'd benefit from that wing back role. And I mean, bloody hell, did he benefit in the Bradford game? You know, I think was it was it five key passes, something silly like that? Um, obviously one a goal, one assist as well, being one of those five key passes. And you know, he's flying down the wing. And, you know, I think Callum Kelly mentioned about how you know he, he was superb last night and I think he'll get used to this style of football really well and you know I think 
we've been looking for that wing back option for quite a few years now. I, I think obviously we tried like Stan Harvey out there. Well, and while Stan Harvey's fantastic, he's not as attacking as maybe you'd want him to be for a wing back. Um, and obviously that left centre back role, as you mentioned, seems to really suit him a lot better. Um, obviously you've seen a lot of attack Charles out there. He's now not the club anymore, but Tomlinson, Joe, um, very impressive. Oh, I mean, yeah, that boy, I think we, we mentioned he could quietly be quite a good signing under the radar. Yeah. Um, yeah, bloody Nora. But I think as well, again, Mike Williamson referenced in his post-match interview after the Bradford game that, you know, the, the play, they hadn't really done a lot, but what they had done is they identified that Bradford play the four-at-back formation and they play quite narrow. Well, it was plain to see how much room Norman and Tomlinson got. And yeah. you could see us switch the ball, the amount of switches we'd done, which then resulted in, oh, crap, all of a sudden we've got a three-on-two here. And Tomlinson's decision-making, his cross, his, and his two-footedness is really good because you don't know whether he's going to cut in on his right and shoot, or you don't know, and he did shoot one time and scored, but then the other time he went on, went on his left foot, swung a beautiful ball in near post, and Max Dean um, slotted it home. So I think having that element of uh, what the hell is he going to as a right back, <laughs> you must be like, what the hell is he about to do? <laughs> um, and you don't know which way to turn. And Jack Payne, I think he's an option now from central midfield where, you know, in the past we've had people like Matt O'Reilly. Now I'm not comparing him to Matt O'Reilly ability-wise, but in terms of the role, you do you remember we sort of had Robson and O'Reilly? Yeah, and, I do. You know, yeah. One goes, and what we're seeing up from Payne was, I mean, he, he burst through for that one-on-one, which he missed. Um, I mean, he made amends by scoring that 30-yard free kick. Um, but I think it's one of them where actually we're seeing now that there's real intent from the midfield. So rather than, you know, Gilby, we did see him press forward at times. But now it's a case of, right, you know, we're going to kind of leave Robson or we're going to leave Williams sitting and the other one goes. And they just and it looks like it's going to be pain that goes from deep, and he caused quite a few problems. He had another shot, I think, which was saved, or yeah, or things like that. So I think yeah, pain. He he's almost been. It's quite funny because actually he's not playing with. He's he's playing further back, but I think that means he can influence the game more. And he's almost running onto the ball now rather than receiving it with his back to goal and two defenders rushing up his ass to try and hack him down, which is quite a lot of what happened. Um, so yeah, I think it's just it's just quite it's just subtle changes which are bringing out the best in players. And actually, you know, how many of us would have said put Gilby as one of the tens? You know, we think Gilby is a solid midfielder, full of energy. All right, perfect, perfect for a sit midfielder, box to box. Well, no, he's playing as the number ten, and he's like one of the first lines of attack um, and defence in terms of the pressing. But um, yeah, it's. it's um, it's really exciting to just see these different dimensions to players. And, and you know, I don't think any of us would have placed Payne as one of the holding midfielders. Absolutely you, not. I mean, no. <laughs> no you know, so, I mean, I'm really, I really just can't wait to see like Mo Issa pop up at right wing back or something. Or Jonathan Lecco. <laughs> God, can you imagine that? <laughs> well, if Cameron Norman loses any more teeth, mate, you might have seen that a couple of times because of uh, video. That was oh, interesting, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that cheeky reference to that in our pod title today, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Not so toothless. Well, I hope not that's toothless on the pitch, but uh, <laughs> yes. And there's a few mentions before we move on to um, Swindon, of course, on Saturday about Ethan Robson. Um, I wouldn't say he had the 
most talented game in terms of statistics, unlike Payne and Tomlinson. But again, he's never type of player has he really in terms of statistics. He's always been a player that's run around a lot, caused a bit of a nuisance, and I think in this system, that's kind of perfect, really. Yeah, Ethan Robson's a funny one. I think I think again, we didn't necessarily see the um the 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 creativity or the you know the we, we did see a couple of marauding runs forward, but I think his job isn't to be that creative type. And I think that that burden falls on Jack Payne in the middle. I think what um what what Ethan Robson's job is to do is almost what uh MJ Williams' job was to do at, at Accrington. And that's Past six yards sideways to, or you know, when O'Hara creates an angle, when Harvey creates an angle, or when Payne makes a little run, find them. Um, so I think that's the sort of that's the sort of role of Robson in this new system. But we did see he made a you know long busting run forward and nearly scored towards the end. Should have passed, I must say. Um, but I think it's just again, it's another thing where hopefully it's just a player that's just given a little bit of a a re not a rebirth as such, but just a little uh little uh oomph. And um, you know, it's it's quite you know, that game last night, it's I think it's quite exciting to think we still had Lecco on the bench, you had Harrison on the bench. Yeah. Um you had Isa that started on the bench. You've still got, you know, the likes of Tommy Smith, Anthony Stewart, you've still got Brookalunga um on the sidelines. Um I've probably missed out a couple as well. MJ Williams was on the bench. Um, so, you know, you've got six, seven players that could conceivably be within that team. And I think for me, that's what's the most exciting thing is that actually every player seems to, in the last two games, you couldn't necessarily look at one player and say, yeah, yeah, well, he's he's not going to last under the new regime. I mean, even Tommy Smith, you know, okay, he, he might have played a, a few more long balls than maybe, you know, Harvey or O'Hara did, but he was sensible in what how he played. And he'd done a job. And I think that that's the biggest credit I can give to Mike Williamson is that he seems to have just simplified everything for people. And I mean, and Joe Tomlinson almost, you know, he made reference to it and the fact that he said, this is the sort of football that we want to play. And I mean, and, you know, Graham, Graham Alexander certainly has his plus points, but maybe, you know, with his, this, you know, the younger, some of the younger players, etc. maybe this is how they want to play. And, um, so just having that confidence to almost go out there and express themselves, it's um, it's it looks like it's it's done everyone the world of good, really. Yeah, I think for me it almost feels like you know Graham Alexander's laid down, don't say the groundwork, but some sort of spots where maybe this tough preseason has actually done wonders for this squad in terms of what we're now seeing now. In fact, they can actually run and actually go a bit like for like Williamson and Co. Because I. I don't. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised to say. I don't think it's a bad thing to say that. I think Williamson's preseason was a lot different compared to Alexander's, and I think they're yeah. going to really reap the rewards of this moving forward. And whilst it was a tough period for a couple of months, start of the season, I think we are really going to see. If it continues, of course, we are really going to see a, a really much a much more enjoyable football team to watch over the next over the new year and after that. And who knows where we finish? Could finish anywhere, but it's just nice to see, as you mentioned, attacking football, scoring goals. And hopefully, um, more wins stay in K and away from home. Yeah, and, and the thing is, I just want to caveat with what we've seen is, you know, I do think that there's going to be a lot more sort of Accrington-type performances where we look all right, but maybe we just 
can't score on the day. You know, not we're not going to score four goals every week. We're not going to have hit the post four times every week. But I think it's just the general feeling now is that these players. I bet they. I bet these players cannot wait for Saturday. Exactly. And I think, I think especially at home, the way we use that pitch was mightily impressive. Um, and it's actually funny because traditionally in the last sort of three years, even in the season where we finished third, our away record's been better than the home record. But I wonder whether maybe this could be a little, um, you know, again, it's early days, so we're making predictions based off 90 minutes worth of play. But um, maybe the home form could actually sort of, you know, spark back into life, which would be nice. Yeah, and hopefully that continues on Saturday against Swindon, which we'll get into after a short little break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, Joe, back at Stadium K on Saturday. Michael Flynn is, is the gaffer of Swindon Town. How have they gotten on so far this season? They're doing all right, to be quite honest with you. Um, they currently sit in ninth place, just three, uh, two points out off the, off, the, uh, off the playoff places, but they have played a, a game fewer than everyone uh, Famously, their game on the opening day was postponed against Colchester for a waterlogged pitch, uh, which is, I think, one going to be one of those uh, pub quiz questions around the <laughs> round, up and down the nation in years to come. Um, Swindon, they are a good team. However, you take out their best player, who just so happens to be an MK Dons player in Dan Kemp, um, who will be ineligible to play on Saturday, and they probably aren't quite as good of a team. Um, Swindon this season, they're among the top goal scorers, having scored 31 in just 14 games. However, Dan Kemp has actually, I think he's got eight goals and five assists in that time. So he accounts for nearly, you know, 35% of the goals that they score he's involved in. Um, they tend to play a 3 4 1 2 formation um, with Jake Young, um, who's actually on loan from Bradford, hilariously enough, as well. Um, and Charlie Austin, yes, that Charlie Austin, um, who's now somewhat of a, a, a an enigma, a creator. He's got five assists this season, um, and Jake Young seems to have taken over more of the goal scoring um, the goal scoring burden. But uh, I think the main thing is for Swindon is what on earth do they do without pretty much their best player this season, Dan Kemp, in that number ten role, um, floating around and pulling his strings. They've you know maybe got maybe a midfield like George McEachran, brother of. Josh um, steps in and maybe he he becomes that focal point. Or maybe you get Austin, who, like I said, has been a bit more creative this season. Maybe he goes drops into that number 10 role and you, you have uh, someone like Hepburn Murphy um, who goes forward and plays um, plays as a striker alongside Young. Um, but yeah, Swindon, they've been on, been on a bit of a funny run recently. They've only won one of their last six. Um, away from home, they haven't won in six in the league. 
Um, you know, they, their home form is absolutely um, is absolutely fantastic, having won five out of their seven games. However, away from home, um, they've they've played seven games. They've only won one of them. They've drawn four, but they've lost two. Um, they've actually averaged two goals conceded per game away from home as well. So, um, you know, this is by no means a team that actually is is particularly defensively sound and it's very much their attacking threat which has seen them through. And actually, in terms of goals per game, they've actually conceded more than us across the whole season. Uh, they've conceded 21 in, tw- in 14 games and we've conceded 22 in 15 games. So... You know, take out one of the key cogs in how they play, their number 10, their best player this season. And actually, it's really going to be interesting to see what on earth does happen um, in that team. So, uh, Liam, any idea what's going to happen? <laughs> um, Unfortunately, not. No, I'm not Michael Flynn, unfortunately. So I can't, I can't tell you much on that. I mean, what, what I can say is I don't think there'll be a suggestion basically happen this season. I think one of the more the bigger trends that we've seen for Swindon this year is that there's lots of control the ball, lots of control the play, and very much try and thread balls into Kemp and to unleash Austin and Young up top. Obviously, they can't do that on Saturday with there's no Kemp. So, as you mentioned, who plays that 10 could, could be quite pivotal, and we could see a bit of a change of thinking. I, I was expecting uh, the Dons to control the football a lot, and and Michael Flynn's teams try and ca- catch on the break. Obviously, they still have minus Kemp, so our players there, you could hurt, as you mentioned, some of them there. Uh, you didn't mention Tariq Wackway, who obviously had a brilliant game against us uh, the other year in League One for Accrington uh, during the COVID years, I believe. Um, and yeah, I said they're not they're not my team at all. So I think I think for whoever takes the lead in this game is just need to keep their bottle a little bit. And because I think both teams this year have had a habit of obviously before Mike Williamson came in, um, in particular for Don's taking a lead and maybe not keeping hold of it. So I think it's going to be who can take control of the game early on, um, who can basically keep keep their heads together and basically who can get the better of each other, really, because I expect in counter-attacky wing play from Swindon and it could very much be the same from us, to be fair. So I think the two teams are fairly similar in terms of style and some senses. It's who's the better to adapt to the game and what's going on. And I think I put money on Mike Williams and start on that front. Yeah, I definitely think both teams are going to want the ball. Um, like you say, um, Swindon have actually averaged the second highest possession in, in the league this season. Um, another couple of interesting things to note is that um, own, no team has scored more goals in open play than Swindon. Um, now, now we must also caveat that, and uh, it's, you know, I think it's almost the same as with us. Um, they did play Wrexham, <laughs> so, and that was when <laughs> Wrexham had Ben Foster in goal. So, you know, they could that could slightly skew things, but you know, their XG numbers are quite good in open play. However, from set pieces, they are only Harrogate are worse than them. And they've only scored one goal from set pieces all season. So a lot of their threat is in open play. And it does look like, you know, as I said before, by taking that number 10 out of the team, the cog, the one that turns the screws, you know, that could be a vital part and really sort of throw them off a little bit. Just a quick note on Dons, by the way, we're up to ninth in terms of XG in open play. So um, obviously we started the season scoring loads and everyone was, and well, certain people online got ridiculed for saying, they're not going to keep this up. Well, oh, yeah. we didn't keep it up, but now actually we are starting to create a lot of chances again. Um, you know, you think back to Walsall, Harrogate, games like that, where we just didn't take our chances. So um, yeah, I think they're a team that are, their strength lies in the attacking, definitely. Um, however, whether or not they 
can they can uh, attack well enough that it outweighs their p- potential defensive issues. I think that's the main question, really. And I think that we've seen before, we've seen today that certainly we have players to harm them on transition. But actually, I think especially you mentioned about the wing backs, um, Hutton. Um, I think he might have been at Doncaster before, um, and also Tariq Wickway. I think on the counter-attack, they could be quite key as well, because obviously Norman and Tomlinson are going to want to get forward, but so are their wing-backs. So that could be a really interesting area, and it could come down to who, who controls the middle of the pitch a little bit better. Yeah, so uh, Hutton came from Barrow. Um, but yeah, I, I completely back that point. Yeah, it's going to be a game where... Well, who can get tactically right, basically? And I think I would I would put the the ball in Mike Williamson's court in that sense. I think I'd like to think that I say the home advantage. Obviously, what happened against Bradford on Tuesday night? Obviously, we don't lose our best player um, for this game, which is nice. Um, everything is falling into our favour, and I think all we need now is everyone into block eleven, supporting the boys, and getting over the line, basically. Because yeah, as you mentioned, two of the more attacking sides in the league. Um, I think going forward this year, and obviously still defending the pre statistically. So um, yeah, should be a good game. Yeah, and just a note on that Hutton, twelve assists last season. So I think that kind of yeah. tells you what sort of fullback he is. He's uh, he's one that he's, he's one that gets involved for sure. Um, but yeah, I think it's actually going to be quite a nice game to watch. Really, should be, should be. I mean, I mean, it's got uh, all all sides watching nil nil now, doesn't it? Really, it's always two of the most attacking teams. Can't shiver out. Oh, all, 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 yeah, all, exactly. One of one or two games. I mean, you think Swindon did they draw five all against? It was five all. Yeah, I remember seeing that in the stands. Yeah, you know, and I think that's one of the perfect kind of summaries of how Swindon are as a team. But as I say, you know, they've lost 1-0 to Gillingham most recently. Um, they drew two all away to Swindon and Salford went uh, away to Salford and Salford went down to 10. They, beat, Swindon well. two, they, they beat Newport um, 2-0 at, at home. But however, it wasn't really convincing. Um, they lost away to Bradford and then they lost away to Notts County, which is no disgrace, really. Um, so it's going to be an interesting game. It is, and hopefully everyone listening can make it to NK on Saturday. Um, should be decent enough weather, I think, so not too bad, considering it's in the autumn now. But um, yeah, get your sound stadium, support the lads, and uh, yeah, hopefully they can repay all of us with their three points. So enjoy your weeks, everyone, on the weekend, and we'll see you next week. Until then, come on, dance. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.